Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Some of you grew up like I did. I grew up in an era when uh, it was politically correct to spank your kids. And uh, my mom and dad had seven boys, so they had to keep discipline as strict as possible in order to stay sane. And uh, my dad had this big paddle. And then if we really messed up, he'd threaten to take the belt off. And that hurt a lot more. But dad would usually have us kneel down uh, right in front of the couch. And then uh, our, our bodies would be on the couch. And then he'd put his hand over our back. And then he would always say this, son, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And uh, a couple times I got into more trouble because I said, well, Dad, if that's the case, how about we switch places? Because I, I don't want you to be hurt worse than this is going to hurt me. That would bring me some extra spankings, and uh, it, just, it just didn't work. Um, but you know what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about something God will have to do in the future that is going to hurt him more than it hurts the people that he has to do it to. It's an event that we can't avoid. God's going to change the age in which we're living. We're going to go into that next age. And in order to do it, there's this thing called judgment and something has to happen uh, where people will be judged. And the results, some of them are going to hurt God more than it hurts the people. And that's what we'll talk about today. If you're visiting, welcome to Believers. I'm Pastor Joe. I'm excited you're here. And we're in a series titled Baptized. And we're going to deal with the third baptism, three of four, that God wants all Christians to be aware of. And here's what we're dealing with today. It goes like this. John, or Jesus, excuse me, baptizes unbelievers with fire. He baptizes unbelievers with fire. And this is the event God's not looking forward to. Remember, baptism or baptize means to immerse, to fully submerge. And this is an event that's coming up. Here, here's a scripture, Matthew 3.11, it says this, With water I, John the Baptist, baptize those who repent of their sins. But someone else is coming far greater than I am, so great that I'm not worthy to carry his shoes. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And next week we'll talk about the Holy Spirit, but this week we're going to talk about fire. And many preachers over the years have connected the two, and so they've kind of taught the baptism with fire. They go to the day of Pentecost. You know how the tongues as of fire would come, come over them on the day of Pentecost, the 120 in the upper room. And many preachers will talk about this baptism of, a baptism of fire for Christians that kind of like just empowers us more and fires us up more. But when you look at this in context, that's not what he's talking about at all. And this is a really serious statement that John made. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go a couple verses up. I want to set the stage for you, all right? John the Baptist is water baptizing people. It's different than our water baptism. This would be the fifth, but we're not dealing with it because it has nothing to do with you and I today. But he's water baptizing people, and he's saying to people, the Messiah is coming. Jesus had not yet been revealed. He's on the earth, but people had not yet uh, heard him. He had not yet come out publicly. And John's saying, you need to repent He's coming, and let me wash your sins away. And so people by the thousands were being water baptized by this preacher 
called John, who was also the cousin of Jesus. Well, as he's doing this, religious guys come up. These are the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were the religious people of the day. They were the leaders. And they were dressed really funny with head garb and scarves and all kinds of different dress. And they walked up, and they're not pro-John. They're not pro the Messiah's coming. And they are very critical as they stand there. So while Jesus has thousands of people, they walk up, and all the people know who they are, and these are all Jewish people, and they're kind of afraid of these guys, and they're like, are we doing the right thing? Are we doing the wrong thing? Because here's the leaders, and uh, they don't look real happy, and they're standing there like this, with real mean looks and real critical looks, whatever critical looks like, like, you know, whatever that is. And they're standing there, and so John, he focuses on them, and I want you to hear what he says to them. This, this is verse 7. He says, it says, but when he, John, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Today we'd say, you pit of rattlesnakes. How many of us can agree? That's not positive, right? That's a very negative thing. He doesn't like these guys. He goes on and says, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And of course, all the prophets warned them. To, to avoid the wrath of God, the judgment that's coming. And he's saying to them, produce fruit. And here's the fruit they needed to produce at this time. They needed to humble themselves and say, all right, I'll be water baptized for my sins. Again, a totally different water baptism. But these guys were like, man, we don't need that. And John's beginning to rebuke them. And he goes on and says this in verse 9. And do you think you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. In other words, I was born a Jew, so I'm safe. Nothing else I need to do. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. And then he says this, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now we have a context for fire, right? Can we all agree fire is not good? Uh, have you ever thrown a log into a burning fire? And how many of us can agree that log is what? Immersed or baptized into fire. And the trees are referring to people. He's talking about judgment day. And then our verse comes, verse 11. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's good. But then the next one's really bad and fire that's the one all of us get to avoid if we're christians and here's how we know again this is really good we already know what he's talking about but verse 12 really sums it up he says his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire fire is not good can we all agree it wasn't good in the verse above it's not good in the verse below this is a picture of harvest, the picture of a farmer back then getting his fork into the wheat, shaking it so all the junk, all the chaff, all the bad things come off, and then he throws it into the barn, and then the chaff that's left he throws into unquenchable fire. The baptism with fire is not a good thing. It's referring to the permanent, eternal judgment, and we'll talk about that, help you understand it, but you know how I said it's going to hurt God more than it hurts the people, and it's going to hurt the people real bad. Uh, here's why. Listen to this verse. This, this is Matthew 20, 24, 41, and it says this. 
Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This is another last judgment scripture. And they're cursed, not because of what they did, but because of the fact they were born into sin and they didn't deal with it. But here's what really is hell is all about. This is why it hurts God more than it hurts us. Did you notice it's created for the devil and his angels? God never intended for one human being to ever spend one second in that place called hell. That's why he sent his son. That's why Jesus died. It's a place that God never wants a human being to go to. But here's the deal. And here's what you and I need to understand. The devil, who was God's most perfect creation, he was an angelic being, he was called Lucifer at that time. The Bible teaches us that God made him perfect in all his ways. He was the most beautiful creation ever. And he was the worship leader of heaven. He led worship up in heaven. The top angel, top angelic being. And then the Bible says iniquity or sin came into his heart. And he said, you know what? I think I'm as good as God. And I think I can sit in his throne. And he, he was able to have one third of the angels rebel with him and he tried to take over the throne of God and that battle lasted a millisecond and he was thrown out heaven the Bible says he came to the earth and destroyed what was here and then after that God created Adam and Eve he created mankind and then the devil deceived them and so we're born sin-stained and when you die if you're sin-stained you can't go up there's only one other place but it wasn't created for us so why why did God send a son to save us from that so you know how I always want you to walk out remembering something more clearly than ever? And this one is, is, is so important. It goes like this. God punished Jesus so he wouldn't have to punish us. And this is why Jesus came. And God wants us to avoid this baptism with fire. He doesn't want one human being ever to experience it. And I think about how Jesus took our place. He took our punishment. You know, another story when I was growing up, my dad made homemade wine it was dago red and uh he used to make 90 gallons a year and it took about 40 crates of grapes i think if i remember correctly and us boys there were no child labor laws so we had to work like dogs we had to bring all the cases downstairs and then uh, first you had to grind them and so we had to put the grapes in and grind them there was no motor and we hand ground you filled up a barrel and then it sat in there for about a week and it began to bubble and ferment then you had to take it and put it in the press, and turn the press and squeeze it, and it was all hand-turning, and us boys had to do all that work. And then you take the juice, you put it into the parallel barrel with the little hole, you put it all in there through a funnel, sat another week, and then you'd cork it. And my dad had this 90 gallons a year thing going, and he drank about a gallon a week, so he should have had some left over. He gave about 10 gallons away. He gave some to the priest at our parish and some to friends. But 10 months would pass, a 10-month cycle, and he'd run out of wine. And my mom would be so upset with him and say, you've got to stop drinking so much, Jim. Why are you drinking so much? And he'd say, woman, leave me alone. I'm not drinking that much. I'm drinking the same as I used to drink. And they'd get into these arguments. And my brother Mike and I, we'd stand there thinking, this is our fault, but we can't tell him. We were stealing gallons of wine. <laughs> we were keeping some for ourselves, and we were selling some at our school. 
I know, my brother Mike and I, and Mike pastors in Canton now, so um, that should give you hope for your kids that are giving you trouble, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, there is hope. God saved us, right? So my dad began to think, I know I'm not drinking this much, so he began to mark the bottles and things like that, and he began to keep an eye on it, and one day he caught Mike red-handed, and Mike's busted, and so uh, he interrogates Mike. He wants to know what other brothers are doing this with you. And it was only Mike and I, but Mike didn't give me up. He did not give me up. I mean, uh, I was amazed. So he, he received this whipping. It was a terrible beating. Um, pants off kind of beating. It was bad. And, and then he was grounded for, I think it was a month. And, and then there was no, uh, no TV, no leaving the house no sweets. I mean, it was really a terrible punishment. My dad was really upset with him. So I would steal him desserts and say, Mike, thanks for not giving me up. And I'd, I'd do anything I could for him. And I, I'm not trying to sound sacrilegious by comparing Mike with Jesus, but I, I, I just want to help you get the point, right? He took a punishment for me. Jesus took a punishment for every one of us. He took a terrible punishment God punished Jesus so he wouldn't have to punish us. And that is so powerful. Why did Jesus do that? Why did he come to the earth? God who created the heavens and, and the earth. God who always existed. Why did he come into the body of a human being so he could die? So you could live. So you could be forgiven. It's an amazing story. You know last week how we talked about the Ethiopian eunuch and his caravan. Very powerful man. Uh, and how Philip came up to the caravan. Heard him reading out of Isaiah. Here's what he was reading. He was reading Isaiah 53. And uh, take a look at some of the verses with me. Verse 4. Yet it was not, uh, it was our weaknesses he carried. And this is a picture of Jesus. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. So when Jesus was being persecuted, remember the Pharisees and Sadducees? Man, they were there... They were scoffing and they were pointing their fingers and they were just saying mean things about Jesus. And they're saying, he said he was the son of God. See what God's doing? If he was really God's son, God would save him. And all these people are hearing all this and they're thinking God's punishing him. But then the next couple of verses spell it out. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion. You know when that spear went through his side? It was because we were rebels. He, he took our punishment. It says, he was crushed for our sins. How many of you are glad that Jesus allowed himself to be crushed and, 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 and crucified? Why did he do it? For his sins? No, he was sinless. He did it for ours. He paid a price, man. It goes on, he was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, humanity, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. That is amazing. And the word Lord there, capitals, that's referring to God the Father, Jehovah God. And think about this. God the Father laid all of our sins on him. God punished him so he wouldn't have to punish us. And this is the message that is so incredible. But here's what so many people don't understand, even Christians. Listen. It's not what people do that will send them to hell. It's one thing they don't do. 
And you and I need to understand that. It changed my life. It, it turned me into who I am. I am very passionate about trying to let every person on planet earth know there's only one way through heaven and it's it, to heaven and it's through Jesus. To let everybody know he died so you can live and the only way to go to heaven is to accept him. You can never be good enough to wash all your sins away because it's not what you do that sends you to hell. It's one thing, it's one thing you don't do that will send you there. And, and here's a cool scripture. We all know this one, right? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. We see this held up at sporting events and uh, we hear people quoted. I think almost everyone in America knows this verse. Of course, God has to open your eyes up to it. But it's the next two that are really important. Listen to verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Jesus didn't come here to point out we're sinners. I mean, we are, but that's not why He came. He came to save us. And we are, yeah, we're sinners. We, we need a Savior. We were messed up. So He didn't come here to point His finger and say, you're messed up and you stink and, and, and you're a terrible sinner and you do this. No, no. He didn't come to condemn us. Here, here's the bottom line. We're already condemned. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, man. It, it, I mean, you can't condemn us any more than we are. We were born sin-stained because of Adam and Eve's sin. So it goes on and says this. It says uh, in the next verse, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. The word already is really important because we're, we're, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. So notice, if you believe, you're saved. If you don't believe, you're already condemned. And so... Not believing in Jesus is what sends people to hell, not all the sins they do, because they're already born sin-stained. And I know, you know, I grew up Catholic, and in the Catholic Church, you know, uh, you're taught the Ten Commandments, and I went through parochial school, so I was taught all, all these things. And, you know, we were told there was a purgatory, like if, if you weren't good enough, you'd go there, and, and you'd have to stay there a while till you could go to heaven. And I think I was about 13, and I realized I'll be in purgatory a trillion years and never get out. And I'm only 13. That's, I just thought I'm breaking every rule almost that God has. I haven't killed anyone yet, but I will eventually if some, I'm mad enough to, okay? And so, so it's like I've got all this going on, and one day I just gave up, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to make it, so I might as well have a blast while I'm down here. And a lot of you have done that. A lot of people in America have done that. You just think... I can't, I'm not good enough. I can never do it. And, and so I just gave up. And then I heard this message that, you know what? You could never do enough good things to make heaven. You could never do enough things to wash your sin away. God did it for you. And this is the beautiful message of the cross. And it's the message that God punished Jesus so he wouldn't have to punish us. And that changed my life when I saw it. And it changed my life. And as far as how I look at everybody on this planet, I love the people in this city, and I don't want one of them to ever have to be baptized with fire. I love my relatives. I don't want one of them to ever have to be baptized with fire. So I've given my whole life 
just to try to help as many people as possible and thank God for his grace that energizes us to do those things. So I want to give you just another picture. It's an incredible picture. Uh, This is a a picture. I want to set it up. It's the final judgment. This is called the great white throne judgment. No Christians will be here. Uh, We've already been judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Our judgment isn't to find out if we go to heaven. It's to reward us for how we lived our Christian life. But anybody that never accepted Jesus, or if they were in the earlier covenants before our covenant, this is the last and final covenant. There is not going to be another way. Jesus is the only way to heaven. But all the Jewish people under their covenant, if they didn't trust in God, they will be judged at the great white throne. And this is when we're ready to go into the next age. So listen to Revelations 20.11. And I saw a great white throne, and I saw the one who was sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. Verse 12, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opening, including the book of life. So you have books, then you have the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done uh, as recorded in the books. Not the book of life. The book of life, your name's put in there when you believe in Jesus. So... Here we are, small and great. You know, people that ruled kingdoms, right, throughout history. People that are ruling nations now. Um, People that no one even knows their name and everybody in between. One at a time, if they haven't accepted Jesus, if their name's not in that book, they will stand before God. And God in these books will show them all their works. And what he's doing is he's being righteous and just. Because some of them will be good people. He'll say, you did a lot of good things. And of course, some will be bad people. But they won't be enough to save them. And I think of Sister Teresa. Most of us, I think even younger people, you guys still know who Sister Teresa is. She went to heaven. She was a Catholic nun. She is famous for giving her whole life in India. She helped the poor in Calcutta, India. She laid her life down and just helped the poorest of the poor. Suffered greatly to do it. Now, Sister Teresa knew Jesus. I have pastor friends that knew her. She knew Jesus. She loved Jesus with a passion, all right? But here's, hypothetically, I'm saying this. If she never met Jesus, which she did, if she never gave her heart to Jesus, which she did, I want to make sure no one misquotes me, all those works would not have been enough for her to get there, to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven. It's impossible. And so all these people will have the books open, and then they're going to see I was sin-stained, and I heard the message, and I rejected the message. And here's, here's the very next verse, verse 15. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Did you see anyone? That means no matter how many good things they did, if they didn't get their name in the one book, they couldn't go in. And so here I stand before you guys. I stand before you passionate. I want this message to be you know, obviously it's informational. It's letting us know there's a baptism with fire. But I wanted to inspire us to say, you know what? I've got to live my life to help God bring as many people into the kingdom of God as possible. And I know here at Believers, the majority of us are doing that and we're doing a great job and I thank you guys for it. But I just want us to be passionate to know, man, there's only one way to heaven and it's through Christ. And so when I look at all my friends and relatives, all I can think of I want them to come into the kingdom. When I see people being water baptized, I smile. And I think, oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And so all we have to do to avoid that is 
give our hearts to Jesus. Everybody that did, I, I don't have another funny wine story to tell you to just bring us up a little bit after. Because I don't know about you, this is sad to me. This is emotionally sad. When I read that, I'm emotionally sad. But it inspires me. So I don't have another funny story, but I do want to share a verse. And we'll close with this. 1 Thessalonians 5.9. It says, For God did not appoint us, the Christians, to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because you accepted Jesus, your future is incredible. You get to go up. And can we take a moment as we end this service, and can we just say thank you, Jesus, for dying and giving your life so we can live. But can we just thank him? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you so much. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to teach this part of the Bible. And I thank you for all the people in this room, Lord. And right now we all take a moment, Jesus. We take a moment. And we want to pray for the people we know and love and hang out with and rub shoulders with that, that we know have not yet given their hearts to Jesus. And guys, you can whisper those names as I pray, okay? And Lord, we lift these peoples up that are, their names are being whispered right before your throne. And Lord, here's our heart's prayer. We know that only you can open up our eyes to Jesus. We, we can't cause or force anyone to see it. Lord, like you did our eyes, open up their eyes to Christ. Lord, if there's anything blinding them, take those blinders off. Lord, let them see Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, the Savior. And Lord, we just thank you. And Lord, we ask you, use us to be a light in their lives. Use us to salt them. When doors open, give us words to say so we can salt them and prepare them to receive Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us the privilege of being part of your team that helps bring these people to heaven. Thank you, Lord God. And you've whispered those names and God heard those names. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I, I want to give an invitation before we go. And my goodness, I don't often preach a message like this, but I, I, I mean, it, it's, it's so awesome to think about what Jesus did for us. He died so you can live. He died so you would never be punished. You would never experience that place called the lake of fire. So if you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, my heart's open to Jesus. I can't remember a day when I made it real, but I'm ready to make it real and personal with him today. I'd like to pray with you. And understand this, I'm not asking you to join our church or religion. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church or you were water baptized as a baby or an adult, great things. But here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you made it personal and you said, Jesus, I believe in you and I accept you today as my Savior. Make a decision to follow you. If you're here and you say, I can't remember that day, but I'm ready today, would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the building, would you help them out? Say this after me. Say, uh, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And this day... I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. And I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Now heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, miracles happen. The number one miracle is God gave you the gift of life and your name was written in the book of life. That's pretty cool. All your sins were washed away. You may not have felt a thing, but it all happened. And that's exciting. You know what else? The Bible teaches us that God himself and all of heaven are now celebrating. They're so excited that you came into the kingdom. 
Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.